Welcome to episode one of the Infinite Devotion Podcast. In this episode, Don and I tell the story of how we came to be in a dominant submissive dynamic after eight years of vanilla marriage. We discuss what it was like before the conversations and discussions we had as we discussed transitioning from our vanilla marriage into a dominant submissive relationship and why I wanted to lead her into this relationship in the first place. And I also give a few glimpses into what was going through my mind as I was waiting for Dawn to make up her own. So we hope you enjoy. This podcast is also available in video on our Infinite Devotion YouTube channel, and you can find more of our content through our website, infinitedevotion.com. Please take a moment to leave a review for our podcast to help more people find it and enjoy the show. Hi. Hi. We are doing a podcast. We are. I know. Isn't this exciting? It's really exciting. It's something that we've thrown around the idea about now for off and on over the last couple of years. It keeps coming up. People kept bringing it up like, you guys need to do a podcast. So, Right. And it started to feel more and more right. So one of the reasons that it started to feel more right is because of how how much there is how much there's really become to be in this relationship for us and the more we try to share it on Instagram where you only get 2200 characters to type out a caption you just can't really relay the depth that you can that we want to be able to do here on this platform to be able to have these longer, deeper conversations with each other. Yes. And I will say from my perspective, it's a lot easier to talk about it in conversation. Right. Versus just sit down and write for me right now. So for this first episode... I wanted to start by giving anyone who might listen a bit of a background in how we kind of got started down this path. Because I think obviously it was unique to us, but over time what we found with with what we do now for a living, we keep running across people who are in these long-term like happy but very vanilla relationships and they at least one of the two people if not both want something more and that was kind of where i found myself in 2018 and i'm so thankful that you got there Because 
Well, I guess where I'd like to start is from your perspective, like our marriage before we became dominant and submissive. What was our relationship like? We'd been together for just about, married for just about eight years, together for just about 10. Yeah, so I always felt like our marriage was great. And you you just were so great, (laughs) so amazing to me. You were so unlike any other man I had ever experienced before. Um, It was like you wowed me from the start and like the little things of like opening a car door for me. And it never happened before. Um, if it did, I don't remember. So maybe, but not on a regular basis. I don't know. Maybe a guy did it the first date or something. You know, granted, I I hadn't had a lot of history there. But um, even just like taking me on dates and giving me this experience of life that I just hadn't had before. And it felt so special. And like the love that I felt for you felt so real, even though now looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, it was blocked. (laughs) But I didn't know what I didn't know. And so like, I know other people would look at us, not that it mattered, but like we are the relationship we had then even stood out as like being into each other, not talking bad about each other, not getting so frustrated and mad um, over silly, stupid things. And so, yeah, everything about us just felt good. We continued, like you continued to take me on dates. Um, And so I know there got to be a point where it shifted and my memory doesn't hold on to all of what that exactly was like but i know that like even our sex life kind of dwindled and there was a lot that got in the way of the best relationship that we could have we kind of followed the the pattern of a lot of like your standard, almost what you'd expect out of a standard marriage, even like a standard good marriage. Yeah. Like we were super, super into each other, hot and heavy, like intense attraction and desire right at the beginning. And that kind of started to dwindle a little bit as we fell out of the mega infatuation. Um, but it stayed pretty, like, pretty intense and pretty deep for a while. And then we got married. And it was just kind of like this slow, gradual comfort that set in. And 
you know, from my perspective, it was like the thing that drew us together was like slowly dwindling away. And, you know, I could never live. I, I couldn't accept that that was what, like how it had to be. I remember you bringing up to me at some point, numerous times, um, I don't believe the infatuation stage has to end. And I was like, well, it kind of felt like it had. <laughs> and it I had. <laughs> I, I didn't really know. Yeah. So I, I was pretty oblivious to um, the fact that our relationship could be even better than it was because it felt good, especially in not tr not um, intentionally comparing, but there was a comparison out of what was displayed to me in my early life experience of what relationships and marriage were. Like we had a great one. We were like top of the tier in good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like where the, where comfort becomes a, a negative instead of a positive. Yeah. Because when, for you, I know when you looked at us, it was like, well, it's way better than everything else I've ever seen mm -hmm. or anything else I ever experienced. Yeah. So, like, that has to be good enough, right? Yeah, and I didn't even realize that's the um, belief, I don't know, that I adapted. But comfort is, um, it's safe, it feels good. It's just not exciting. Well, it feels good until you know how deadening it can really be. Yep, and I did not know what I did not know. <laughs> so the thing that I would tell you when I would say, I don't believe the infatuation stage has to end, behind that was, I have never been able to accept this notion that we can't have the person that we love and care about the most also be the person that we feel intense love, passion, desire for. Like, I, I can't live in a world where those two things can't coexist. But it seems to be almost like a foregone conclusion. When you look in any sort of world of traditional advice about how you manage a long-term marriage like well maybe just spice it up a little bit go on some date nights so well, we did that stuff and that's probably why from the outside or from your perspective it felt like it was pretty great because even by most outside standards it was right and but that passion wasn't there. That that right. intensity wasn't there. No, it wasn't. So if you have anything to say to that, like what drove that in you? Because you didn't have passion and intensity and desire and deep love um, 
as an example in your life, early life experience either. And so what drove that in you? I, I had experiences earlier on in my life that showed me what intense passion felt like. And I knew that that was something that I needed to feel. Like that was a part of what made me feel alive. But I'm also smart enough to know that just constantly pursuing nothing but call it sexual excitement, sexual novelty, casual sex with a bunch of random people to just keep getting those quick hits of easy dopamine, like that's not fulfilling in the long run because I've also known what it's felt like to be deeply loved. And so it just, it, it's not something that I was willing to accept, I guess, like I said, that I want both of those things and I want to have them with one person. And I am, I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. I'm so thankful that you had that desire and you went after it. You didn't just make an assumption that you weren't worthy of it. You couldn't have it. Like I'm incredibly grateful. It's one of those things that's kind of key to my personality, my intelligence, the way I see the world is I don't just accept what is considered normal as being the only option. I will always dig for what's real. and to try to prove myself right. I'm not afraid to end up wrong, but if I don't try to see if I'm right, I'll never know. Again, I'm thankful for that. (laughs) So different than the way that um, I say it this way, that I created the life I had and the belief systems and all of that. So, before the day that I asked you to be my submissive, we had come across a book called Mating in Captivity. Oh, that was the day before? No, it was before I had asked you. We read that book together. Oh, yeah. And that was by Esther Perel. That was the first time I had seen anyone really dive into that same question that I'd had kind of running in the background of my mind Mm -hmm. for so long, which is, I think the tagline to that book is something like, can you have, can you want what you already have? And so that was like, that was a little bit of hope for me that maybe this actually could, that I could do this. 
because I also had running in the background a long history that I don't even know where it began of this desire to experience dominance and submission. And that was something for me that was really deep in the shadows. Like it felt like this other part of my life that there was no, no way that that would ever become real for me. Maybe unless I was single at some point and had a, like the freedom to go explore it. It was your dirty, dirty, dark side. Yeah. Like it was my, <laughs> it was my shameful little desire that was just stuffed in a box in the corner. Yeah. And that for me always was about seeing the way that a dominant and a submissive were connected to each other. Like that passion that you could read just in the eyes when you would see pictures or videos or anything. So one night we're out on a date and we are at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. There's a little hideaway, like speakeasy kind of bar up in one of the top floors, tucked back in the corner with the windows looking out over the city. Yeah, I remember exactly where we were sitting. And there was exactly zero other people in that little bar, because I don't even think there was a show that night. So it was just the two of us and the bartender standing back there polishing glasses. And I, the part of this night that I still don't remember is that was like towards the end of our night. Yeah, it was after dinner. At some point in the, during the night, the idea came to me that I'm going to ask her to be my submissive. And in true Andrew fashion... <laughs> ready fire aim tonight's the night (laughs) (laughs) fuck it let's do it now and so i did we were sitting there having a cocktail and having a nice date night i'm sure i wouldn't have asked wouldn't have asked you this question if we were not having a nice date night yeah we always did and so i said i want you to be my submissive and you said Huh? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember what the first sentence was that came out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a, a blank, like, confusion of what just happened here. Yeah, waiting for you to speak more. Because at that point, when I said that to you, what was your entire frame of reference around dominance and submission? Because mine was probably a decade or two of thinking about this and fantasizing about it and imagining it. (laughs) Yours was? Very different than that. Um, I had read Fifty Fifty Shades of Grey, all the books, but loved them. Um, I loved the, I guess call it redemption story of how 
this, and I, I can use more language now to looking back at it, but I picked up on something about this in this way, even if my language would have been different. Um, but this man who, had this like dark side to him this like and wounded childhood and it came out sideways in certain ways but this woman caught his attention and there was something about her that drew him in and he couldn't stay away from her and she couldn't stay away from him and how that like magnetism just created this passion and desire and love to evolve and how they walked the line of healing the garbage from the past and granted there could there could be a whole lot more to that story of course because it's it's a book and then the movies were even condensed even farther but like now looking at what i've been through like that was a glimpse of this and i didn't even know it yeah and for some good reasons 50 shades gets a bad rap yeah and i remember hearing about that because i want to say we were still in or at least i was connected with people who were still in the church and i remember it being like a don't go to that movie and women yeah. wanted to riot against it and I'd never bought into that. I was like confused about, I didn't even really know what it was when the movies came out because it was well after that that I read the books. I don't remember when it was. The, the thing that I think a lot of people miss when they rip on Fifty Shades and yes, if you love literature and and quality writing and whatever. Yeah. Like that's not what it's intended to be. No, not at all. It's also not intended to be a depiction of a healthy dominant submissive relationship. It's a trilogy and you have to consume the entirety of the story to understand the story and both perspectives and it really is less about dominance and submission and bdsm and more about the redemption of christian gray right and how he's you know by the end of the third movie they're married with a child and like all of his wounding from the past has been transcended and he's let her into his heart and like it, it's a it's a it's a redemption story it's not a bdsm story bdsm is one of the themes in it right so that was your whole frame of reference yep and so i had just asked you my wife of eight years to walk down a journey of becoming my submissive and i knew that that was a holistic large-scale shift in how our entire relationship ran and you were like huh <laughs> <laughs> rightly so 
And so <laughs> I was tasked with, and this is where the, where the quick fire decision to ask you on a whim was less than, less than beneficial for me because now once I let that cat out of the bag, now I need to explain to you what the hell I mean when I say I want you to be my submissive. Yep. And I had to lean into this whole side of myself that had felt like a dark, shady secret that I just let out of the bag in one night, maybe influenced by a little bit of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad you did. And now I had to lean into like dragging this dark side out into the light and quick because the next question after I said, I want you to be my submissive and you said, huh, was I better tell you what I mean. And so in that first night, we leaned into a little bit of conversation about it. Do you remember any of that? You know, I, I really don't. You might be able to bring something up for me, but no, I don't. One of the things I told you is that I saw in our relationship when things were working at their best. Times like when we were on date nights. Times like when we would go on vacations or getaways for a weekend. Any of those times, because you had young kids at the time. Yes. I would plan them. I would organize them. I would make all of the the decisions, make dinner reservations, tell you what time we were leaving, help you sort out whatever needed to be sorted out with your kids. And all you had to do was basically show up and follow me. Right. And I remember that first night I made the point that when we do that, all of the other stuff that can be tumultuous or disconnected at home, because it was, it's not like it was any secret to either one of us that we didn't have the, like the passion and the desire that we used to. Right. And so that was one of the things I remember telling you that first night was I want our whole relationship our every single day to run like it runs on these occasions where I just take the lead and you can just follow me. Yeah, I do remember that. I just didn't remember if it was like what was the first night versus what was the conversation after. And like when you shared that with me, I had zero like argument. Nope, hands down. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, it all went well all those times. Uh, as well as it could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still living with like the way who we were at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it always went well and I enjoyed them. And I know you you shared plenty of things that really gave me the felt sense like you knew what you were talking about. Um, I was winging it. <laughs> well, again, this was, I know, 
so he, I'll add this here. Um, I took 30 days to yep. contemplate, oh, close to. Yeah, so that was the that was the next step, right? Like, okay, now we get to the end of that night and it's like, all right, obviously there's more that needs to be talked about here. This isn't a, I think you maybe tried to say yes. And I said, uh-uh, like. I just got this feeling that brought me back to waking up those next few mornings with like an elephant in the room. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never experienced that like draw, bring back before of like, oh, okay. Like, are we gonna figure this out today? Yeah, so we kind of had to table the conversation for the night and then starting the next day, I told you to take the time that you needed to make this decision because this wasn't something I wanted to make half-heartedly. Right. And it wasn't something that I was prepared to toy with. I either wanted this to go the way that I wanted it to go or not do it. And so, yes, then it was, it was 30 days. It was a, a month basically from the time that I asked you until the time that you said, I'm in. Yeah. And I remember, um, asking a lot of questions and you'd always give, um, I'll just call it an adequate answer, um, felt like honest answers, even if, like there was plenty of this that couldn't be known. Right. And so I got to a point where, I can't remember if it was before or after I said yes, where you were like, you can read about what this is like. And I was like, no. <laughs> I felt this like strong aversion to, I would fall into compare, comparing myself. And I understand now looking back that it was that was coming from a performance thing. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't be because of my lack of self-worth and my level of perfection I held myself to, like that was the worst thing for me. And so and you respected that. Um, I, and I, I remember saying like, I want you to lead me. But I remember getting to a point before I said yes that, I just couldn't know. And so what I felt was like, I'm gonna jump in with two feet, not knowing where this is going, but I'm gonna trust you that when you say you're gonna create a better life for us, that you really meant it. And you have. So let's talk a little bit about at least a couple of the conversations that were had in that 30 days. In All that, right, refresh my memory. In that time in between. Okay. One of the things that you brought up several times. Oh yeah. Was the fear of losing yourself. Yeah, there was this like, I'm gonna become a doormat. I'm gonna be walked on. <laughs> Little did I know, I was a doormat to <laughs> so mm-hmm. many of the wrong people, religion, like all of that to all of the wrong areas. So, and I, I, I believe like you kindly and so gently 
um, showed me that. One of the things that I told you was that you were actually already very submissive. Yes. Yep, I remember that. And that because you hadn't really taken ownership of that submission, you had been essentially throwing it at anyone who acted like an authority figure. Anyone who stood in front of the room and sounded like they knew what they were talking about Yep. You would follow them. Yep. And do what they told you to do. Yep. I did that. And obey them because they were clearly in charge. Like they seem like they know what they are talking about. Yep. So one of the things I remember telling you is that you are already actually very submissive. And what I want to do with this relationship is to channel that submission into following one person, into following me, because I'm not going to use it to hurt you. I'm not going to use it against you, because that's what had happened for your whole life. You'd followed anyone who wanted to lead Yep, very blindly. And right into all sorts of pain. Yeah, pretty big life decisions were made that way. And so I remember that being one of the things that I told you in response to this fear of losing yourself. What I knew in the background was you didn't even know who the hell you were. How could you lose yourself when you didn't even know who you were? You promised me I wouldn't lose myself because you knew that I didn't. Mm -hmm. And you used to say, and so did I, even before all of this, that I knew you better than you knew yourself. Because it would seem like in our relationship I could speak words that felt to you like I was inside of your head and showing you something that you maybe almost understood but really didn't. Yeah, all the time from the very beginning. Very true. And so... That's gone through its whole... many <laughs> iterations over the last five years now, which we'll come to another time, I'm sure, but... I really did see through a lot of the walls and a lot of the facades and a lot of the unconsciousness. Thank goodness. I didn't know that dominance and submission is what was going to give me the tools to blast them straight to hell. But I knew that you weren't going to lose yourself. That was something else from the very beginning was that you you would speak to me like even before this dynamic that you wanted me to be myself. I got that message over and over and over again even though 
I didn't quite know what that meant. Yeah, that was something that I did you know, very early on was when you would ask me questions, like early in our relationship even, I would ask you to look inside yourself, like what, what feels right to you? Just give me the answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another thing that happened in those first 30 days, you wanted concrete specific examples yeah of how is this going to look if i agree to this how's it going to look as a part of my normal day-to-day -day life what's going to be different and so just before we were going to record this i went back and found my old journals that i was writing while we were in this whole month of conversations because I was just like churning inside <laughs> at this point. And so I, I kept something that I sent to you that was maybe an email or a text or something. I think you were giving me notes okay. to read about where you were at on a regular basis. And I gave you some examples of like, what life would look like. And it was interesting when we looked at that today, wasn't it? I wish you could have seen the look on my face as I was reading it. Cause I was yeah. like, holy shit, he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> because that, like what I told you in that one message was what our life is like now, isn't it? Yeah. And you weren't even the man then that you are now. And so this is what, what I felt when I read that message, that long description today, was that this is coming from even bigger than you. And it like, I don't even know what else to say. The depth of the realness and the authenticity and something bigger in this world. So some of the things that I had in that message to you were that I wanted you to call me sir. Yep. That I wanted you to wear a collar. Mm-hmm. And not just that I wanted you to wear a collar. What do you remember out of there that I said about the collar? Um, to wear it like with the love and respect um, of the display of this piece of our dynamic as you as my dominant and my sir. Um, and to see you in that light in the same fashion that my wedding ring displays my commitment to you as my husband. And that was a piece that was n totally new to you Be because with your whole, yeah, with yeah. 50 shades being your only experience, Anna never wore a collar in 50 shades of gray. 
I do not remember how I received that whole thing of wearing a collar. I don't remember any like rejection to it or any issue with it. Because you didn't have any background or experience in what dominance and submission are, what BDSM was, yeah, the aesthetic of that or the feeling of it, the draw or the pull to it that I had felt. You also didn't have any of the attachments to the, call it the kinkiness of wearing a collar that no. some people do. And like what we, we both chose out what it was going to be. It's this um, silver mm-hmm. looking, it's not silver, but um, eternity collar, which I liked. I was excited to wear it. Side note on that. The only thing that you have ever disliked about wearing a collar is how it's impacted your ability to wear other necklaces and jewelry. Yeah, because I had plenty of that that I enjoyed wearing because I I love that aspect. so yeah, I remember having like, oh, I just, I want to wear that necklace. I love it. And now I'm just like, whatever. I, <laughs> I kept the ones I like just because. Got rid of the ones that I didn't like. And yeah, I remember, I clearly remember one time where I was having a little spat because I really wanted to wear a certain necklace with a dress mm-hmm. and I was just bummed that I didn't get to. Yeah. So the collar was something that was really important to me. And I, I remember telling you that collar does, that can be anything that we both choose it to be. Yeah. That it could be something you wear on your wrist, something you wear on your ankle, something you wear around your neck, which I preferred, but I wasn't going to force that because it had to be like, it was not about you wearing a collar for me. It was about you having the same attachment to what it meant as I did. Right. I also said in that message that I wanted to offer you guidance on things in your life where I knew that your life could be better than it is and to have you follow it with, without having to fight you to follow it. That was a slow journey to get to where we're at because I did fight (laughs) a little bit uh, unconsciously. (laughs) Belief systems, programming. And that's something I'm sure in this podcast, in future episodes, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how, how you were able to get through the resistance that you felt that you didn't even want to have be there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's going to be several podcasts, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But that was like letting those walls down was a big thing that I knew needed to happen. Cause in looking at that, at those journals and some of the things I wrote to myself, one of the notes that I made was, I know that you are going to fight me tooth and nail in letting go of control 
and that I'm going to need to stand very strong, probably for a very long time, while you learn to let go. Absolutely. That's like a requirement of the dominant. Big boy pants. <laughs> so also in those journals and in those notes from that first month, there were days that I wrote, I'm pretty sure you're going to say no. I remember you sharing that with me at some point. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that you were leaning towards just noping this whole thing. And I had this sense of like, what do I do with this? Like, I just let this cat out of the bag. I let myself see it. I brought it out into the light. I let it be seen. Mm -hmm. I let myself really open up this side of myself. And if you say no, but you don't want to go here with me, even if you maybe say not right now, like, how the hell do I put this cat back in the bag? How do I put the toothpaste back in the tube and keep on going with the way things had been? I vaguely remember having conversation about, like, what if I say no, then what does our, real, our marriage mean? And I remember you giving me the idea that um, you would still be there and that wouldn't change. And you would, I don't know, in some fashion, some words, like, just deal with it, I guess. I don't know how he said it. Well, I would have to sort out how to go forward. Because you know, something I didn't say earlier was I... I fully believe that it's possible to have this, both of these two things, right? This, the person that I love and care about the most and the person that I have the most intense, passionate desire for, like that, those two things existing in the same relationship. I also knew, and I, it, it's bigger than what these words are really going to relay. But I knew that if it was possible to have that, that I was, it was possible to have it with you. And I don't know when I say that, if I mean, that that was just how I wanted it to be so badly with you that I wasn't willing to look at any other options. There's a part of that that's true, but it's also that I knew that on some level of consciousness, I knew that what it would take to create that kind of a relationship is something that was present in the two of us. That we, we had the capacity for it. I had, a, I had a knowing of some kind that like, we could do this together. I agree. And 
I can't say how this exactly would have gone because it, this this would have been all still you too. But if I would have said no, I still see there being a slow receptivity on my behalf to you slowly taking more charge, even without mm. the dominance and submission label to it. I think we would have gotten here eventually anyway, yeah. I, I really do. Um, because... There were just a lot of things in life that, I mean, if you would have asked me for this earlier in our relationship, maybe I still would have said yes, but to get to the depths of where we're at now, we just had to allow life to uh, move the way it did for a while, um, just because until I had the space to really dive into this. Um, what's in the way of surrender. Mm -hmm. So. And another thing in that was, you know, we wanted to have kids together. Yeah. And that didn't turn out to be possible for us. Right. And so there was that other statement that I had said to you at one point. Yeah, another thank goodness. Like you, it spoke something into me, and what was that that thing that I said to you from your perspective? You said, "If we're not gonna be able to have kids together, our relationship has to be about something, about something else, something more." And I don't remember all the conversation that went into it, but I will never forget that statement because. Again, like going into, like I thought our lives together were, was gonna be raising more children because you were amazing, would be an amazing father and I wanted to have kids with you and so I believed it was gonna happen. <laughs> so when we were told it wasn't, that was shock, that was a shock. Yeah, that was a, that was a kick in the shorts because I wanted to be a father. Yep, and I, I watched, um, if I can, I guess I watched you struggle with that for a little while because, and my heart felt that so deeply because I saw how great you were and I was like, someone else has got to experience his greatness. Who else is it going to be if it's not a kid? you I see that I feel that now even though I did feel it back then but I wanted someone else to and now I really have a deeper understanding and so all of that kind of came together in this conversation over are we going to be dominant submissive or are we going to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> and just pretend like I didn't open my yapper. <laughs> and, There's no elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. And so you decided to say yes. Yep. I literally remember uh, sitting at your feet and deciding like, I'm going to jump in with two feet and I'm going to trust you. To make our life better. 
And right after that, I wrote in my journal, now I really need to figure out what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> day by day. Because I'd done a lot of talking about it at that point. <laughs> but there was a really interesting line in that journal, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. What is it? And it was actually the night before you said yes, when I had a pretty strong inclination that you were ready. I said that this has been something that's been hidden in my life for so long. And it's about to become integrated with my reality. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And so after you said yes, we got to looking at collars. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I paid for like the extra super speed overnight. Like, I don't care how much it costs shipping, like get it here by 1030 tomorrow morning. <laughs> Thank you, Eternity Collars. Yeah. And... We also put together a contract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was on December 2nd of 2018 that I put that collar around your neck and we signed that contract. What a great day. And so that's how we got from vanilla to dominant submissive. What was the, if you can just sum up the the feeling that you had of like tr you said you're going to trust me to make our lives better with this yeah what was that like you had already given me a life that was so great and i just had a felt sense that if you said you were going to make it even better that's what you would do and also just an some, call it somewhat unconscious but trust i mean gosh the word faith my experience in religion like that instilled that instilled something deep in me. Now, just saying that out loud, I'm like, okay, was that religion or is that just this felt knowing? I don't know. But even in, in my mind, like faith was a real thing. 
a real experience. Like you could not always know what was going to happen in life. And so when you also said that you can't know everything, <laughs> that was enough for me. And so you in the greatness that you were back then, I mean, were you perfect? Absolutely not. But did you feel kind of close? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you frustrate me at times? Yeah, probably so. But you still just always, you, just you seeing what you did in me, like, just drew something out of me, I guess. I don't know. It feels honestly like a soul thing, a soul connection. So to kind of bring this to a close, I think one of the things that I, that I, because I've said to you for a long time that even before we started dating, for the people who are listening and don't know this, uh, I hired you to work for me at the business that I ran at the time. That's how we first met. And yeah. so my first experience of you was interviewing you for a job. And I hired you on the spot. Yes, you did. And you <laughs> didn't quite understand why I would do something like that. It seems sort of impulsive. Is this for real? <laughs> Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> I'm pretty good at knowing a good thing when I see it. And so I've told you over the years that I've always seen something in you. You did have, yes, always. And bringing together all of these different pieces from seeing your submissiveness, your perfectionism, your people-pleasing, and the way you threw that submission away. Also, your big loving heart that had so much love to give. Our relationship that needed to shift and change because of not having our own children. And then my belief and desire that it was possible to have something great and acknowledging that where we were was good but it wasn't great and it could be better all kind of came together in this question I want you to be my submissive or statement I guess And I didn't even fully know that at the time, how big this was and how much of our entire lives this would end up consuming and becoming a thread that runs through every single part of us. But I always knew that there was, some, there was the capacity for something very, very special here. And I'm extremely and eternally grateful 
that you said yes and that you put that collar on and that you came with me and that we get to be here now living the life that we do doing what we do for a living where this love is being shared with the world and becoming an, an example to other people of what's possible. And if you wouldn't have come with me, none of this would be possible. Well, I am grateful that you asked me and that I said yes. <laughs>